Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One other piece of news we have to address, the, uh, the winning song for the 200 goal on Fightful Select. So I did a series of polls on Twitter. We had like, what, 10 songs, I think. I did a series yeah. of polls. I let the people choose, Sean, and the people chose Ass Man by Billy Gunn. Uh, so you and I, unfortunately, are going to do a duet of Ass Man uh, once we hit 200. And we're like on the cusp now, Sean. I'm an ass man. Yes, I'm an ass man. Yeah! Good shit, now. I love to love them. I love to kick them. I love to shove them. I love to stick them. Love to plot them. I love to watch them. I love to pick them. And I'm gonna kick them. Cause, Cause I'm, I'm an, an ass, ass man. man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. Yes, I'm an ass man. Whoa, I'm an ass man. Too many asses, so little time. Only a tight one can stop me on a dime. I'm a lover of every kind. The best surprises always think of from behind. I'm an ass man. I'm an ass man. Oh, I'm an ass man. Buns of glory, buns of steel. Your life will give away the truth of how I feel. You walk behind me, I feel the heat. That's why the girls want me at me down the street. I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. Yes, I'm an ass man. Oh, I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. Yes, I'm an ass man. Oh, I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man.
It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. Ah! With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dong. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sap. Fightful.com. It is the list in your boy. It is June 12th. We're never going to have a live show again. I might drink a six-pack of these today, Sean. I might. Okay. Can't figure out shit. Tried everything. They're, they're trying the old Wirecast now. They think there's a bug with the new Wirecast, so they're trying the old one. My IT guy fucked with the cameras and didn't tell anybody, so there was pixelation all over the green screen. There are some days you just kind of want to go home for the day. You know what I mean, Sean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, me, daily. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm I want sure. to get up and I want to walk three feet. Three go feet, home. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those days. But but we came through with Ass Man when we hit our subscriber goal on Select. So there you go. Hope people enjoyed that. Yeah. And um, yeah, what were your thoughts on it, Sean? Thoughts on the video and all that? I loved it. I thought it did great. You all tried to get me to do another take, and I was like, what, what do you all want me to do? Like, I do did you want, all want me to fucking dance? Like, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted more energy. You know, I, I knew it would more work just fine. That was the point. I didn't want to put any energy into. I it. know you didn't. I, know I you put did, enough energy into recording the songs. Oh, that's true. Because you that, did like three of them al- that were almost lost at one point. One of which has ne- not even been released. That will be a fightful select exclusive. Oh, really? The the really? version that I sang as Michael McDonald, a popular recording artist. Right, 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 right. Popular in the Sean Rossop household, maybe. Yeah, I guarantee you. <laughs> but uh, but that's good. Uh, one other plug I want to do here. So we came up with a new series or a new show uh, called Fightful Feast. And yeah. uh, it may or may not be a uh, kind of funny take on Table for Three. May or may not. Uh, and it's something I came up with, and uh, Sean and I taped the first one when we were in Vegas for Double or Nothing with Chris Van Vliet, who you guys might know. Uh, very popular now, wrestling interviewer, and he's an, a regular entertainment reporter. And uh, we are releasing that. Today's June 12. We're releasing that on Fightful Select tomorrow, June 13. And then uh, we're going to put it up on Fightful.com maybe like a week or two later. So, uh, so check that out. It was really good and uh, like a good 30, 40 minute long interview. Yeah. Drinking beers, eating pizza and, and chicken. And so yeah. it was that. It was good. It, it was a good time. Chris is a great dude. I uh, really like his work. It's motivated me to do more in-person interviews because I see how well he does them. So uh, I'll be traveling and doing more of those. And Chris is a good dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, really had a good time hanging out with him, talking to him, hearing his story as well. And some of the stories behind some of his stories that are very yeah. interesting. So uh, be be on the lookout for that, guys. Yeah, if you guys are fans of Tyler Perry, you want to check out his interview. Yeah, that's was, for damn sure. It was interesting. Or if you're uh, fans of Michael McDonald, you want to check out this show every week. <laughs> every week. Every, every single week. week. Let's move on. I want to start today talking about Super Showdown. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, but we're not going to do a you know blow by blow recap because people are that's already on Fightful. So if you want a full rundown, really, it's on. It Fightful. blew and it blew and it blew, <laughs> and we gave the blow by blow. There you go. Well, there there's three things I want to talk about from the show, uh, and the first thing I want to talk about is Goldberg and Undertaker. And uh, now there's been, you know, some veterans have come out, like JBL came out, uh, and JBL said, uh, what did he say? Like, not every match is going to go well, he said. Uh, Ric Flair said, oh, it had nothing to do with their age. 
a uh, bunch of guys said stuff. So I wanted to just say this. So first and foremost, I thought that prior to the ring post spot, Sean, the match wasn't terrible. Prior to the ring post spot. It wasn't terrible. They started it off with the two spears, uh, you know, which was kind of reminiscent of Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. And that was all fine. Brock or Goldberg went for the leg lock that looked a little awkward. But it, it wasn't was bad. Yeah, it was but bad. It, but it was passable. The match was passable until the ring post spot. And and that's what knocked him silly. And my first question, I guess, maybe, was... Maybe that's what knocked him silly. I think it was. I don't think it was hitting the door before he came out. I don't think that's what he, it was. He was pretty messed up as is. I had people, WWE wrestlers, saying, man, that's stupid. Why is he doing that? And I agree. It is dumb. And, and uh, he's done it ever since his, his WCW days. And it is foolish. But that's, I don't think that's what did it. He was okay, I think, until the ring post spot. After the ring post spot, you could visibly see. Like, he had trouble getting to his feet. You could see it on his face. So I think that's what did it. Plus, it cut him open. My first question is, do you think he intentionally didn't get his hands up? Do you think that, because he he's known to be an intense guy. Do you think that he just went full bore into the ring post and maybe mistimed his distance? They design those now to not hurt the guys. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because of the screens on them? They've got, like, this outer shell around them now. Yeah, yeah. Because of all the ring post spots that were happening. Oh, my. What the hell, man? Well, he... Uh, and they, like, that, that's why it bothers me when people like Mark Henry, who I respect as an entertainer, as a wrestler, as an athlete, as a performer, and as a media member now, yeah. respect him. When he says, oh, you all shouldn't disrespect him. They could have died, Jimmy. And they were yeah. very close a couple times yep. to dying. And anybody that says, Sean, you're being dramatic. No, I'm not. Paraguayo no. died. Silver King died. 50-year-old men in there. Yeah, I mean, Silver King is a little bit of a different situation. But to, to me, the so I look at it like this. So they do the ring post spot. Taker, yeah, he was slower and older and stuff. The tombstone was scary. And it was reminiscent of Owen Hart, Steve Austin. And, and I went back and watched the match this morning. And you could see Taker was losing his grip on him. You could see it. And was trying to get him up a little bit more before he dropped him. But he was losing his grip and, and his head hit the mat. He's lucky that he didn't hit too hard. Now, I will say one thing. And Booker T said this. Uh, it was 103 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. in that ring. Uh, and Booker was talking about heat index and stuff like that, which is where they combine humidity and all that. So that's like 40 degrees Celsius. I can't imagine what it would be like to wrestle a match in 40 degrees Celsius. It's going to suck the energy out of you. It's going to be hard for you to get your breath. And so I'm not going to say, oh, their age is, is completely what uh, contributed to this match. I think the heat did play a factor. But I think that Goldberg running into that ring post played a bigger factor. Uh, and Taker, I mean, again, maybe it was the heat. Maybe Goldberg was slippery. The tombstone they was a very scary spot. Batista did five, or not Batista, Goldberg did, like, what, five minutes in an open-air stadium two years ago? Less than that, four minutes and 45 seconds. And for some reason, somebody thought five minutes above that was what they would go. I had wrestlers before then. I was asking them, how long do you think it'll go? And they said four minutes, five minutes, maybe. Uh, A lot of people, like, pointed at Undertaker for the Tombstone thing, man— that ain't a one-person job, guys. I had WWE Hall of Famers who I'll, I'll show you what they said, Jimmy. I don't want to put them on blast that were like, Undertaker took care of him as best they could. The best he could, Go- yeah. Goldberg didn't have a good grip either. You hold on to the person around around you. Like, 
there are a lot of there's a lot more into it. You don't just pick somebody up and spike them on their head. That that's not how the tombstone pile driver works. Yeah. And I had people that had the balls to say that it was. My God, guys, that ain't, that ain't the way it happens. And then after that, it was more of a what one WWE wrestler called the whack hammer. Um, yeah, yeah, and and Taker's very lucky he didn't land on his head on that one. That could have been a scary spot. I mean, it really fell apart after the ring post spot. You know, when they tried to sure do did. the reversal, tried to do the reversal on the uh, on the tombstone, and Goldberg fell down. Then the final choke slam to finish it, which you could tell was an audible call, uh, and Goldberg got nowhere whatsoever. He was completely like a loopy after that ring post spot. He collapsed. There was footage on the internet. He collapsed at ringside afterwards. You can see on Taker's face how pissed off he was. Um, it was what it was, man. And, and again, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're too old and they need to get out of there. And, and fair enough. That's fair enough. But at the same time, the ring post spot was stupid. I think wrestling in 103-degree Fahrenheit weather was stupid. Uh, and I just think that, that a lot of things could have been done better. Another thing I want to talk about about this show was the logistics. And we've seen guys like Carl Anderson that have uh, hinted about this issue on social media since the show. So imagine this. I don't know if Nigel's mic is on. Imagine, Nigel, yeah. if you had to fly from San Antonio, Texas, to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia, and I looked it up, it's about a 19-hour flight, and that's with at least one stop, all right? A 19-hour flight. So imagine if you were put on a plane and you went to Jeddah, a 19-hour flight, they put you in a battle royal, and you are eliminated in about 15 seconds, and that is your spot. And so after that, you go to the back, you shower, and you basically sit around waiting to go back to the hotel, waiting to get the hell out of Jeddah. And that's basically what happened. I went back and watched some of the, some of the Battle Royal, Sean, which was an absolute, like, sardines in a tin can scenario. Guys had no room to even throw a punch in that Battle yeah. Royal. But I went back and watched EC3 was the first guy out, Sean. Yes, and he, he was. And, and EC3 was out in about four seconds. Yes, he was. Can you imagine going all the way to... And I realized there was financial incentive, Sean. You can't tell me that the financial incentive was so great that it would appease a guy like EC3 flying all that way to go out in four seconds in a battle royal. Terrible. The logistics were terrible. Obviously, the, the incentive was there for the company, more so than the talent in that situation. And uh, I just thought that was shit. Then you look at Brock Lesnar. Now, Brock Lesnar got paid... And so Brock Lesnar doesn't give a shit, Sean, because yeah. he got paid. But EC3 you I- spent more time posting on Instagram than they had him spend in that match. Right, right. And same thing with Carl Anderson. He was out quick, and so was Bobby Roode, and so was uh, uh, Luke Gallows. And a lot of the guys that they clearly don't show value in right now, they were out really, really quickly. But you look at a guy like Brock Lesnar. You and I last week on this podcast said, okay, Brock could have cashed in on Seth Rollins. He had him flat out on Raw. He yeah. had him beat. He could have cashed in. He said, not till Friday. You and I both said, oh, he's going to cash in on Kofi Kingston. That's what's, what he's yeah. going to do. He's going to cash in on Kofi Kingston. And what did we say last week, Sean? We said, because it wouldn't make sense for him to cash in on Seth on Friday when he had him beat on Raw on Monday. And what does he do? He tries to cash in on Seth on the Friday. You can't make sense of this, Sean. How do you make sense of that? How do you even try? I, I can't. You can't. I can't. And Paul Heyman tried. He said, oh, Brock Lesnar wants to make Seth pay twice for what he did. I'm like, then you do it. Then you pin him for the title. Monday. And you, yeah. that is how you do it. And then right. you don't catch a flight to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's so. How does, how does, fl- 
I'm going to show him. I'm going to get on this chartered flight that we share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show this son of a bitch as soon as we get to this different continent. As soon I'm going to we... beat him in the heat to really let him know. Yeah. <laughs> as oh, soon as we God. get through customs together and uh, share a bus to the hotel. Jesus After that, Christ. his ass is mine. It's, <laughs> it's so lunacy, and, and it makes the title look like a worthless piece of tin. It does. Because in theory, yeah. you, you want to be the champion to make that financial incentive, meaning if you could beat him on Monday, you beat him on Monday. You don't wait to beat him on Friday. It's such a lunacy, Sean. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about, about Super Showdown, and this is not isolated to Super Showdown because we've seen this a lot. I hate Sean, and I could say hate 20 times in a row to emphasize how much I hate this. I yeah. hate I hate when they do multi-person matches, like a battle royal, and they have like five guys that get an individual entrance, mm-hmm. and everybody else comes out like a herd of cattle, all together to generic music. I hate it so much. I can't emphasize enough how much I hate it. It devalues everybody in the match, is what it does. Well, it and devalues I everybody who isn't, doesn't get their theme, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. The only one that made any sense to me at all was Titus O'Neil. That was the only yeah. one that made sense because they thought, oh, the guy that tripped the last time. Otherwise, I hate it. And, uh, and the thing that made me smile from that Battle Royal, Sean, is I don't know if you noticed this. Xavier Woods, did you notice this? No, what? what so, so Xavier Woods was, was part of the herd of cattle, right? Yeah. And he's coming down with the rest of the herd. And the camera happens to be close enough. He was just out there for the Kofi Ziggler match, right? Yeah. So he's coming out, and Xavier Woods, he goes, I was just here. I went to the back, and I came back out. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought, good for you. Good that for you good. for making fun of it. But I uh, wonder why he didn't just stay out there. He could have just stayed out there. He should have hit under the ring and then just slid back in. That's what he should have done. You know something, man? I hate being negative about WWE all the time because all we seem to do is shit on WWE. Yeah. And I, I, I want them to do well, and I want to love everything I see, and I want to come on here, and I want to praise the company for an hour every week, Sean. The shit doesn't make sense. It doesn't make doesn't. sense. The viewing audience are not plugs. They know what's going on. They see Brock Lesnar. He could have beat Seth Rollins on Monday and didn't. And then maybe the smart fan thought, like we did, he's going to take out Kofi, and then he doesn't. Smart fans, every fan thinks, this is fucking dumb. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And that's it got just to how the it point. is. It got to the point when the Revival got a title shot that they shouldn't have gotten. Uh-huh. I was over the moon when they explained Shane McMahon did them a favor. And right. I shouldn't be excited about that. That should be the, that should be the bare minimum. Yep. Not even the standard. That should be the bare minimum explaining stuff like that it gets really exhausting and really frustrating because man i love excitement and and creativity and just like out of the box stuff i love that i just want things to make sense like as a fan i want it to make sense i want them to explain why ron kill or uh, our truth wants to be the 24-7 champion when they haven't explained that there's any kind of financial incentive. Yeah. I want them to explain it, and I want it to make sense. Now, you mentioned Shane McMahon. When did he become the most featured guy on the show all of a sudden? Like, what the hell it's is that November. about? It's what about the hell November. Is... I don't get it. They got a wild card where they can let people go from brand to brand because they need it, but he's the most featured guy. I... He's the most featured guy. He always wins. He never loses. He beat the supposed top guy in the company 
Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I wish that Vincent Mann, and I realize he's his son and he's doing him a favor and all this kind of crap, but it comes down again to the fact that Vincent Mann is senile when it comes to creative. Nobody looks at Shane McMahon seriously as a wrestler. Nobody. I don't care that he's in decent shape and I don't care that he's a decent athlete and he can do the coast to coast and all that stuff. Nobody looks at him as a pro wrestler on a serious level. When he had Roman Reigns in a chin lock, Sean... Killed me watching that. It drove me nuts. Killed man. me. You know what that's, I mean? That's I, I went off on that on the show oh. too on the podcast. Oh. I was like, okay, I know that not everybody here has trained in pro wrestling and or MMA, but God damn it, I have. So when I hear people that have the balls to tell me Finn Balor is not believable as blah blah blah, blah keep in mind this absolutely ripped, jacked, lean, athletic looking dude. That's unbelievable to you. But 48-year-old, 49-year-old Shane McMahon, right. chin lock, no hooks in, nothing to block the hip. If you're curious what that means, you block the hip so nobody will turn into you or will sit out. Because otherwise, if you're at a chin lock, you just turn in towards somebody, you take their back, you grab a waist lock, you dump them on their fucking head. That's all it takes. It's not hard to get out of a chin lock. And if anybody took more than a week of wrestling classes or jujitsu classes, or catch classes, and they were stuck in a chin lock <laughs> for that long, you'd have to have a conversation with them and be like, hey, man, this might not be for you. Yeah, but, and you know what? Reigns is multiple-time WrestleMania main eventer and yes. world champion. Can't do yeah. it. And supposedly the top guy in the company. That's what he's supposed yeah. to be. That's, that's why they... unbelievable to me. And that's what killed me, and I didn't even care about the technical aspect of it. To me, it was just watching Roman Reigns, the supposed top guy, the guy that the wildcard rule was created for, seeing him laying on the mat unable to get out of the chin lock drove me crazy. Uh, and, and I just don't get this whole Shane McMahon thing. And again, yeah, he's Vince's son, and I get it all, and he needed, you know, Shane, with all due respect to him, he has not done well business-wise outside of the company. His wife is loaded because she's the heir apparent to, uh, what is it again, Mazzola Cornwell? I didn't know that. Yeah, his wife is the heir apparent to Mazzola Cornwell. Used to watch her on uh, Livewire or whatever it was. Oh, there you go. She hosted a show. Her family's wealthy, so he's good financially. But he he himself has not done well in business, so maybe Vince feels like he needs to throw him a bone and give him his. He makes like over a million bucks a year as a talent, so he's taking care of him. But it's not believable. Now, uh, you and Alex on the post-Smackdown podcast, you guys were kind of talking about a theory that I think he saw on social media. Uh, and the theory was, well, Vince is focusing on Shane because he knows he's never going to leave for AEW, <laughs> right? And it was kind of a joke because it's Shane and everything. But, you know, there is precedent for this, Sean. Uh, yeah, years because, and years of booking, decades yeah, of booking. Yeah, like you go back to the 80s. Anybody that's a, rest, a relatively new fan, you go back to the territor- territorial days in the 80s. There's, there's a reason that Greg Gagne was a top talent in the AWA. The guy looked like he weighed 120 pounds. Uh, yeah. But he was, he was tall, so he was legit probably 180, 190, but he looked like he weighed 120 pounds. But he was featured as a main eventer because he was the promoter's son. Larry Zabisco, some people may or may not know this, he was Vern Gagne's uh, son-in-law. He was married to Vern Gagne's daughter, and that's why Larry Zabisco was featured on the top of the card. Fritz von Erich went with his sons for the same reason. They knew these guys were never going to leave their territory. And so, theoretically, I guess you could say that about Shane, but I don't think, I, I think Vince is a little bit too... Uh, egotistical, if you want to use that as a word, to think that my guys are all going to leave. I can just throw money at them, whatever. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that's the reason that Shane's being featured. I just think Vince is senile uh, creatively, and he thinks in his mind that his son is great. He thinks in his mind that this is great stuff. 
And Shane can be a good performer at times. I just don't need that much of him. And I know some people are saying, oh, well, they're going to build up so much heel heat on him. And it's do so it. agitating. Have, have him accompany a wrestler. Have him have a favorite wrestler. Yeah, and you know what? Like, Shane, I've heard stories over the years so many times. In real life, Shane is a really good guy. I've heard it from so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a really good guy. He's very well-liked. He's not agitating in interviews like Stephanie with her Botoxed forehead. That kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> Shane is like a popular guy, but I'm sick of this heel Shane that's in like four segments a night on, on Raw and SmackDown. I'm just sick yeah. of it. I'm sick of it, and fans are sick of it, and that's, that's just kind of how it is. One other thing I want to talk about, um, I'm a fan of Lacey Evans' work, Sean. We've talked about it. I mm-hmm. like the heel Southern Belle thing. You know, I, I'm a fan of her work, but she lost clean to Becky Lynch at Money in the Bank. She lost clean to Becky Lynch, all right? Dolph Ziggler lost to Kofi Kingston in that super showdown. Keep uh, in mind, he, he hadn't wrestled this year before that. Okay, and that's fair, and, too. And wasn't on the show. He was on Raw. Literally, right. not SmackDown. Baron Corbin lost to Seth Rollins at Super Showdown. These are challengers that lost their, their opportunity to win a title. None of them deserve a shot at the title at Stomping Grounds. None of them. It'd be one thing if they beat the champion, won the title, and the champion wants a rematch, even though they said they were going to do away with the automatic rematches anyway. But at least that might, might make sense. All three of these people already lost... They should not be gaining another shot. And you know what that is, Sean? That is lazy fucking booking. That's what it's, that is. It's lazy It's booking. lazy, and it makes me not care about that pay-per-view. I'm covering yeah. that pay-per-view, and I don't give a damn about it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I do give a damn about. My <laughs> interview with Barbie Hayden. Take it away. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful.com here with Barbie Hayden. We're at the title match wrestling booth. Yeah, it's on the shirt. Yeah, yeah. They got shirts, a little bit of everything. Their YouTube channel is one of my favorites. They have a great network. They put on a ladies' night out shows that you are a big part of. Uh, what what has that meant for your career? It's really highlighted women in such a fantastic way. Uh, so not only is it highlighting women wrestling in the ring, what I really like about it is that I have now become an interviewer from it. I have now become a commentator from it. And that has actually trickled over to TV because I also wrestled for WOW Women of Wrestling as Abilene Mavericks. So I play a character um, on Access TV. And what's really cool is... Because of Title Match you know, Network doing the Ladies Night Out, I now have done commentary on WOW on TV. So it's like, it's cool because it's just, it's yeah. opening doors. And I don't know if you noticed, but most of the women that actually, do we fight now? Do we fight? Oh, shit. <laughs> There's a bell. We got to fight. Um, but no, it's really cool because it's like opened so many doors. As you can see, like a lot of these women, yeah. they wrestle on TV. You know, I'm not saying it's like a direct correlation, but I mean, it might be. <laughs> So for your career, being able to do all those different things, being able to interview, being able to announce, being able to wrestle, do you think that's going to open up more doors in the future? Because obviously it has with WOW. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I've actually been in talks with a few of, like, other companies outside of wrestling, uh, which is, yeah, I know, crazy, right? You Usually once you're in the wrestling world, you never leave it. But uh, I'm trying to kind of, like intertwine the world because the thing is, is like I wasn't a wrestling fan growing up I actually was not allowed to watch it because I grew up during the Attitude Same Era so, so you get it yeah. so but you know of course like when you're older and you really like get to appreciate it and watch sure. it as an adult and make your own judgment calls like it's fantastic but the thing is is you know this the outside world outside of the wrestling world is fantastic and huge and I really want us to start like trickling over into it yeah. 
that mainstream audience. So that's where I'm hoping things like Ladies Night Out can start like trickling over into, you know? So yeah, you've been a part of some more wrestling-centric shows and some shows that are laced with so much entertainment, like, wow, you were part of a WWE trial a few years ago. What type of uh, feedback did you get from that tryout? Uh, so I actually feel like I got really positive feedback because I ended up having, I think, three tryouts total mm -hmm. there at the, um, you know, at... What do you call it now? The PC performance center. Yeah, yeah, you call it. Yeah. So over the performance center, um, I went there when they first opened up, and I think they were actually just calling it NXT. That one went okay. They gave me some feedback on what to work on. Worked on it. They brought me back, um, and then they brought me back another time for the um, the first women's pay per view that they did. Um, Evolution or the May Young Classic. The May Young Classic. Yeah. So for the May Young Classic, I ended up being pushed to alternate, unfortunately, because they brought a lot of NXT girls onto it, which they weren't planning to do at first. Yeah. So me, Rachel. Um, Ellering and um, Deanna Prazo. Yeah, we were all pushed as alternates. Last second, Rachel got pushed up onto it. So, you know, it's, it's wrestling, though. You never know what's going to happen one minute to the next. Uh, but obviously, I did good enough in that tryout that they wanted me to be there for that. But since then, I haven't really been in talks with them because I've been so focused on WOW. I've been so focused with Title Match Network, you know, because now I'm pretty much transitioning over to that and Flag Sports as one of their interviewers. Oh, so nice. that's kind of where I'm letting my ball roll to. So that they have announced the second season of WOW. That, that's that's coming. You've yeah. got people who have been involved in wrestling for decades involved. In, we have to fight again. Let's lock up. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I caught your hair. Oh. I'm so sorry. See, I'm a rookie in this hair game. I'm not used to it yet. I just got long hair for the first time. No, you're good. You're looking like, yeah. a, like a Jesus. Like hey, a rock star I'm trying. Jesus. I'm trying. <laughs> So, WOW Season 2, it's, yes. it's coming. Uh, how did, did you find out ahead of time, and what was your reaction? Uh, so, yeah, we actually did know a little bit ahead of time, but still, like, I cried. Like, I literally, when they told me the news, really when they told me that it was going on Access TV, I cried, just because I've been with that company for five, maybe six years now, so we've been really pushing for that for a very long time. So now that we finally have that, you know, you get that platform to show all women's wrestling, it's crazy. You know, because, like, it, it really, you know, in wrestling, it's always been tears, you know, of, like, okay, you can see it here, 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 whatever. And for women's wrestling, it's always just been here. Like, yeah. you didn't really have a platform like Title Match. You didn't have a platform like, wow, you know, to watch all women's wrestling. So I think it's cool because it's just evolving constantly. You mentioned Title Match. I think they're integral to women's wrestling. I mean, you see Ivelisse there, Kiara Hogan there, uh, Thunder Rosa over there. There's, yeah. like, so many great names that have this platform to put on matches that, Maybe it couldn't happen. Maybe they were in different companies or whatever it may right. be. Uh, what is something that you've learned about title match wrestling that, uh, as far as, like, helping out women's wrestling that most people might not know? Um, I think you really just nailed it right there because it is a melting pot. Like, a lot of these women, like, a, a lot of women that are working on Impact or working on WOW or they're just indie wrestlers, we typically don't cross paths. And a lot of them, too, work just at Booker T's, you know, school there. And so we're all getting to the cross paths at different levels. Like, I have worked some girls who are brand new, and I have worked some girls who are, you know, veterans to me. So I think that's the good thing. It's just a big melting pot, you know? Barbie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Yes. Much appreciated. Barbie Hayden, go check her out. Uh, she does a lot of stuff with Title Match Wrestling, who uh, fortunately got uh, re-monetized. They had been demonetized on YouTube. Weird stuff. Very hard to even get through to them in that situation. But uh, good for Title Match. Good for Barbie Hayden. Uh, her work is very good, and she couldn't have been more pleasant to deal with. Good times. I was going to talk about that later, but I guess we'll talk about it now. So they got remonetized. Yes, they did. Oh, okay, that's good. This, this has been going on for like a couple of months, and it was 
kind of hard for me to bite my tongue because the title match puts out so much stuff and right. women's shows they promote all women's shows like and not just paint by numbers ones like they had Eva Lee versus Kiara Hogan in a cage match right on right. on there and they do all kinds of shoot interviews and stuff so uh glad that the wrestling world kind of rallied around them and and helped fix that error on YouTube's behalf because I know for a couple months they couldn't get any headway right and um, you remember a couple of years ago what culture wrestling the same thing happened to them yeah and I think that that killed that promotion didn't it like I know what culture still out there but well, it's defiant. Person? Yeah, it's defiant wrestling now. I think. Okay, and, and are they still relying on YouTube revenue? I'm not. I'm not sure their business model. I'd have uh, to to check it. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about John Moxley because he's still on a roll. So uh, a few days ago on June 9, they had New Japan had the Dominion show in Osaka. Uh, it's the show that also featured Jericho versus Okada for the uh, IWGP title. Full review on Fightful.com. There you go. Moxley had basically a squash match uh, yeah. against Shota, Shota Umino, and uh, I loved afterwards the promo backstage when Shota's like like this. Uh, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny, and, it was and Moxley, amazing. yeah, Moxley was pretty funny, and uh, he said that he's going to be in this year's G1 tournament. Kenta, formerly Hideo Itami, he showed up on that card, uh, and he said he's going to be in the G1 tournament. Will Ospreay's hinting that he also wants to be in the G1 tournament. So this could be very interesting. Uh, it's going to run from July 6th through uh, August 12th. The first show is going to be in Dallas, Texas at the American Airlines Arena. The rest are going to be in Japan. Very interesting, man, that the tur- that, that tournament, the names that are going to be in it and that they're going to start it in Dallas. It's very interesting. You want to know what's particularly interesting to me about this entire situation? What's that? Most viewed SmackDown Live clip this week. 24-7 title, no, no surprise. 1.7 million. WWE has 44 million subscribers, Jimmy. New Japan Pro Wrestling has about 246,000. Mm-hmm. So, few less. The John <laughs> Moxley video with Umino, 3.3 million views. Right, right. Good content gets out there. Yeah, it does. And what does it say for WWE with respect to judging talent, Right. Because not only do you look at Dean Ambrose, who went from obscurity, basically, towards the end of his WWE run, to becoming John Moxley, the hottest thing currently in the business. You look at a guy like Tyler Breeze, who is sitting at home doing nothing, gets moved back to NXT and kills it with Velveteen Dream. Um, you don't tell me that there's not a lot of talent disenchanted in WWE that are looking at John Moxley. And, and it's got the gears turning in their head a little bit. I was joking on uh, social media, I call it the Moxley effect. But uh, you can't tell me that there aren't guys that are thinking about that. Now, I don't think that AEW is going to have a place for everyone that necessarily wants to go there. Uh, I look at somebody like Gallows and Anderson. I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a place for Gallows and Anderson. Oh, to I me, do. Do you I in, do. A, in oh, AEW? Yeah, I definitely think there I don't be. know. To, I, to me, they, un, unless they maybe want to use them for the Japanese relationship, which is maybe think, possible. Think about how much bigger they are than everybody else on that show. That yeah. makes them stand out. Also, they're very entertaining guys. They have connections to the right guys, but they'll have their choice. They'll be able to go wherever they want. Ring of yeah. Honor, Impact, New Japan, AEW. But I think there's definitely room for them because they can go in the ring and they're very entertaining. And like I said, in WWE, they are normal sized guys. In AEW, they are really big guys, especially Luke Gallows. I was going to say Anderson's actually undersized for WWE. Yeah. You know, 
Well, we'll see now, that with them. Now, especially since he's leaned since out he lost so much. Weight. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, I think the revival. There's going to be a place for them. I think. Uh, I look at a guy like Chad Gable. I don't Boy. know his. I don't know his contract status in WWE. Uh, they just moved him down to 205 Live. They're doing something where he's taking notes. It's it's all unexplained. He cut his hair. I don't know whose decision that was. Had an amazing match with Jack Gallagher. One of the best countout finishes I've ever seen. But Chad Gable, he is an incredible in-ring talent. Incredible in-ring talent. Incredible athlete. Being heavily wasted. He is somebody, and again, I don't know his contract status. He's somebody that I think would be on AEW's radar when the time comes. Then you look at a Cedric Alexander. He's doing nothing since they moved him. You look at a Buddy Murphy. He's doing almost nothing since they moved him. You look at Elias, Sean. Now, is Elias a great in-ring guy? No, he's not. But we've talked, we've talked about him before. We've put him over before. The guy's got presence. The guy carries himself like a star, looks like a star, talks like a star. It was less than one year ago, it was July of last year, that he had such momentum that WWE released an EP for Elias that went number 13, I believe, in the U.S. I think it yeah. went to num- number one, I think, in the U.K. Gosh, on I iTunes. Forgot. I forgot about that, Jimmy. Yeah. That's how much they cooled him off. That's how much they cooled him off. This week on SmackDown, he loses to The Miz clean in a couple of minutes. Yeah. On Smack- it's mind-boggling to me that they would take a guy with that kind of momentum, just like they did with Rusev, just like they did with Shinsuke Nakamura, just like they did with Bailey. They took somebody with that much momentum and cut the legs out from underneath him. Uh, I don't know Elias' contract status, but he's another guy that I would jump on because he is a special attraction, and, uh, and they're doing nothing with him. Um, it's sad, man. It is, you know. I, I just I don't understand how we're in the situation now where Shane McMahon is the biggest star on both brands, apparently. Yeah. And, and everybody else is basically there to cater to him. That's basically it, creatively what's happening. It's like what I pointed out last week, and some people took the... The Juice Robinson couldn't get on NXT TV thing too literally. I meant for anything substantial. He didn't do shit. Mm. You had a guy who was dangerously underexposed taking on John Moxley, a guy in WWE who was way, way, way overexposed. Wrestled more matches during that period than, than anybody ever had and had no creative to back it up. And they met in the middle and they had an amazing match and it was awesome. And they follow that up. John Moxley has a great squash match and does something that usually doesn't happen after squashes and then cuts a promo, then says he wants in the G1. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, New Japan, who lost all this buzz after January, has regained so much of it because of Kenta, because yep. of Moxley, Jericho running around there, yep. Shingo Takagi becoming just, uh, I mean, he's always been good, but really emerging in New Japan. I don't know how long it's going to last, but... Damn, man, New Japan's very, very interesting again and using people that WWE couldn't do anything with. Which is very true, yep. Yeah. And, and speaking of Japan and speaking of WWE, how interesting is it? So WWE's next uh, Japanese tour is at the end of this month, the end of June. And they just announced, how interesting is it? They just announced that on the first show there's going to be an eight-man tag team match. One of the teams is going to consist of Gallows and Anderson, and AJ Styles, that was, of course, one of the incarnations of the Bullet Club in Japan. Yeah. And who are they hitching that wagon to? Triple H. Going to put Triple H in with the Bullet Club in Japan to ensure that Triple H gets a positive reaction. Um, isn't that something, Sean? So they're going to take the tag team that they never feature on television to the point that Carl Anderson's posting on social media, yes, we're still employed. 
because they never feature them on television. But they know damn well for the Japanese show, we want to sell a few tickets, so let's milk the Bullet Club train. Or that doesn't make sense. Let's milk the Bullet Club cow. I there guess. you go. It, it's it's. I thought that was very very interesting. Um, another kind of related note, and this tells you that WWE is not blind to the competition. Uh, they're blind creatively, but they're not blind <laughs> to the competition. So Dave Meltzer reports that contracts now to new NXT recruits are five-year instead of three-year. Yeah. And what I'd like to know, and I don't know if this is something that you can ever find out from new recruits or from new signees, I'd like to know how many guys are potentially not going to be able to sign because of the fact that they want to add two more years to their deal. Well, I mean, you look at some of those around the world. Now, see, for a lot of people, WWE is their end game, and that's where they want to be. But, I mean, I know that Jeff Cobb last year would not sign with Impact Wrestling because they wanted to give him a two- or three-year deal. Right. And Ring of Honor would be like, okay, well, we want one year. Jordan Grace told me that Impact wanted her for like three or four or something mm-hmm. like that. I have to go back and, and read the, the quote. But she settled on, on a lesser one and now has, has re-signed. But people got to get locked up long-term. Who can you hitch your wagon to? And, well, WDB, you hitch it to that logo. That's it. But, ugh. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and again, like you said, like they do have the, the, the advantage of being WWE. And like you said, a lot of guys, that is their end game. And that's fair. But I think there's going to be a lot of, say, new recruits. Say like a, like a Matt Riddle type of guy. Someone yeah. who's in demand who might say who might look at it and, and think, well, look what they did with Ricochet. Look what they did with uh, the Viking Raiders. Look what they did with EC3. I don't know if I want a five-year deal here. Yeah, you know. We'll if, see if, I'm, if I'm WWE though, like, and you're going to Japan, I'm like, all right, you've got Io Shirai, you've got the the Kabuki Warriors. That's another act. You've got Nakamura. Yep. You, you've got the club. You've got yep. them there. You've got a uh, you've got you can even run Oscar and Kyrie in singles again if if you want to and kind of stretch that out. I think they might be. I, I saw the yeah. card and I think Oscar's in a single. I, I haven't seen the card yet. Yeah, you've got acts that are very very good and very popular over there. Sure. And oh my god, it just it's unnatural to throw Triple H in there with them. And you know what they'll do? They'll do the two sweet at the end. It's like oh, oh they cause will because they, bo- they both do it. Yeah, oh. they will. They will. It, it really is reminiscent to me of Hulk Hogan. How Hulk Hogan would uh, would look for who's the hot act and let me get in there with him. Yeah. That's how it comes across with Triple H. Anyway, uh, back to John Moxley. So AEW has announced that they're going to live stream Fighter Fest for free. Yeah. Uh, on BR Live on uh, June 29. That's going to feature John Moxley's first AEW match. I think this is brilliant personally. Yeah. Because uh, they want to get subscribers for Beer Alive because they're going to have that new deal with Turner in the fall. And uh, Beer Alive is part of that for pay per view and stuff. This is a way to get subscribers. Now, you can register for free for Beer Alive, you don't have to pay for your registration. But a lot of people are going to go for that free registration in order to watch yeah. Fighter Fest, and then you got them. So yeah, I, I then, think it's smart business. I think then it's when good. they're thirsty, how are they going to get those bottles of water at Fighter Fest, Jimmy? <laughs> Or uh, what, did you, I, what did you say about Super Showdown? Salt drinks or something? They they salt drinks? Hydration salts, which we right. were told tasted like hydration assholes. <laughs> uh, that was like a direct quote, I believe, I was given. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I for those asking, I had looked into going to Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen. The flights were unrealistic, like not price-wise, but like they either flew out at 4 in the morning or 5 in the morning or like, 9 p.m. the next Monday. It's just not possible. So uh, we will not be there live for those, but Fightful will be at, let's see, 
the New Japan show in Dallas, Impact Slammiversary in Dallas. Uh, we'll be around for the ROH New Japan, uh, I think it's CMLL show right. in Toronto, NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, and then All Out. And then shows in the middle just all around the place. We're traveling more than ever. Uh, I never thought that I would kind of start looking forward to traveling and going to these shows. But after the experience we had in Las Vegas, like meeting some of the people that we met, right. it's it's definitely changed my uh, mentality on that. I'm looking forward to it. It's cool that you and I are kind of in opposite. I, I want to travel less than I used to. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to travel more than you used to. Where well, is Fighter Fest going to be? Uh, Daytona Beach. Daytona Beach. Well, okay. I think it's because, I mean, you've done so much traveling. I, not yeah. really. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, let's talk about the G1 Climax. So, uh, New Japan's U.S. television partner is Access TV. Everybody knows that. Uh, they announced that come uh, July 13th, they're going to be moving. They have a two-hour wrestling block of New Japan and Women of Wrestling. Yep. They're going to move, be moving that block from Friday to Saturday, starting with uh, July 13th. Um, this is reportedly being done because they want to avoid going head-to-head with SmackDown on Fox come October. Yeah which is why they're going to uh, to Saturday. But uh, uh, the G1 Climax, they're going to be airing, I believe, the Dallas show uh, on uh, on Access TV. So that should yeah. be interesting. Well, you know what, Jimmy? I'm not going to go into it. What? <laughs> I was going to say, whether you want a G1 Climax or get your D7 Climaxing, Visit our friends at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed with BlueChew. Let me get out of the way of the logo here. <laughs> Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And you know what? They're better, they're cheaper, they're faster. They'll make you last through the entire <laughs> round-robin tournament. You're not going to get eliminated in the first round here. Three full days. Going and going <laughs> and going. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Since they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as the pill. So they're ready whenever you are. They ship straight to your door, and they're prescribed online. You don't have to go to a doctor and say, Damn it! I thought I had enough points! I thought I was going to make it to the finals! Your doctor will look at you and say, no, man, you're a jobber. You'll look at him and say, piss off, I've got blue chew. I'm going to the Tokyo Dome. Right now, you can get your first shipment free using that code FIGHTFUL. Just pay $5 shipping. Hit them up at Get Blue Chew on Twitter. Let them know you heard about them from us. And let them know that you enjoy your erect penis as a result. (laughs) I cannot believe I didn't clue in to that segue after talking about G1 Climax. Oh, and when so, you said, when you said, <laughs> just go back and listen to your terminology and look at the, the reaction on my face. You're like, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't Come clue in. Dallas, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so in this particular case, Sean, I'm just going to say, let's go to stupid people. Yeah, let's. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh.
All right, I got lots of good media for Sean Rossap. He's going to like this. That I can't hear. Oh, can you not hear any of this stuff? No. That really sucks, man. Wirecast. That, that means, uh, Wait, I mean, I could... All right, well, the first one I'm going to have to recap it because it's pretty okay. good. So yeah. this first one, this is reported by WNEP Television out of Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania on May 31. So the state of Pennsylvania, Sean, they've had more than the expected number of tornadoes so far this year. And WNEP Television, they allowed viewers to express their opinion. Oh, uh, no. And then what they do is <laughs> they air those opinions in a segment called Talk Back, and they do them, like, I don't know, every week or whatever. So some suggest that there's been more tornadoes because of climate change, right? But there was one gentleman who has an alternative explanation for the increase. We've got the clip. Put it up, Nigel. We didn't have tornadoes here until we started putting into traffic circles. Because on the counter, you want to know why? What's he saying? That when people traffic go circles around are the circles, it causes like that, disturbance like that in the atmosphere. That's and what causes it. tornadoes. So basically, since Sean couldn't hear the audio, uh, the fella claims that tornadoes, <laughs> that was his, his words, tornadoes were Tornado caused tornada. by, he said they were caused by the traffic circles and the cars going around in the, in, the, in the traffic circle, he said. That's what caused it. So. Science, man, it's wild. Science, science. You know what that makes me think of? Makes me think of European vacation, Nigel. You ever seen that? Yes, I have. Look, Big Ben, Parliament. <laughs> Okay, this next one. This is reported by Randy Scott from ESPN on his Twitter account on June 9. This is good, and sports fans are going to like this one. So last Saturday night, June 8th, the St. Louis Blues were playing the Boston Bruins in game number six of the Stanley Cup final. The Blues were up three games to two. That meant that they had an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup last Saturday night. Uh, they lost the game. Matter of fact, they got to routed pretty good in that game. Uh, and as we're doing this, it's June 12. Game 7 is tonight. After that game took place on Saturday night when the Blues lost, uh, the E-edition of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch posted this. Go ahead and put up that graphic, Nigel, the first one. Okay, you got a different one up, but that whatever. So this one was a thank you letter from Tom Stillman, the chairman and governor of the Blues, uh, basically talking about their victory and talking about what a memorable championship campaign it was. Put up another one. This was an ad from Enterprise saying, we've got your cup holder covered, congratulating the St. Louis Blues on winning the Stanley Cup. Put up the other one, which is supposed to go first. Put up the other one. Uh, This one? Yep. That was the major, huge graphic on the front page of the St. Louis Dispatch. Congratulations to our champions, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, that, again, went up Sunday, the E-edition. Now, I am not, uh, you know, uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Superstitious kind of guy. Yeah. And I'm not the kind of guy that's going to look at that and think, oh, the Blues are definitely toast now tonight in Game 7 because of that. But... It's not promising. It's not promising. It's not, it's promising. not promising. Speaking of, Jimmy, were you one of the jagaloons in Toronto <laughs> that booed or that cheered Kevin Durant being injured? I, di- I was not, but I do have a comment on that. Go ahead. So, so I was there Monday night, uh, got some pretty, pretty good seats. I saw uh, game six, or game five, I guess oh, it was, right. of, uh, of Raptors and, uh, and Golden State Warriors. The media, because they always do, the media made it out to look worse than it was. I agree. The whole arena was not cheering Kevin Durant going down. And I was there live. The whole arena was not cheering Kevin Durant going down. And as a matter of fact, there was a KD chant 
in the arena when they showed him on the screen being helped out. There might have been in an arena of what, 18,000 people, there might have been 500 jackasses or a thousand jackasses that were cheering. Most were chanting KD. The media spun it because that's what they do. Cousin, I, cousin, I think it was social media a lot, a lot of Social media too. as well. Yeah. So, social media um, as well. Yeah. I think it was an initial reaction of, oh, this great player isn't on the floor. Not, oh, he messed himself up. And then pretty quickly, I think those who even cheered were like, oh, shit. I probably yes. have done that. Yes, because we didn't, like, I, I was talking to the people around me, and we saw him being helped, but we didn't know how, how bad it was. But then when he was, like, you saw Seth, uh, uh, Steph Curry put the towel over his head because he was upset. Drake was upset because they're close with him. That's when you kind of knew how serious it was. Yeah. And uh, no one was happy to see the guy go down. The media, and like you said, maybe social media, completely spun it, and it was not uh, what they made it out to be. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, this last one. This is for the SRS file, and it was reported by the UK Mirror on June 7. So I can't confirm that this is, is a, a legit report. Then why are we running it, well, Jimmy? We got journalistic know. integrity here. No, you're going to know. I did not take this from a fake news site. I would never do that. I do my due diligence, so I would not take this from a fake news site. This is from a nurse in Seattle, Washington. She posted this on her Twitter account on June 5. Let's put up the screenshot. Go ahead, Nigel. She said, ladies, please stop using your vacuum hose to end your period early. You're going to wind up sucking out a lot more than blood. There were two cases of this so far this week, and both women had to be admitted. Just stop. Uh, again, this is a nurse in Seattle, Washington. I don't know if this is a trend now where young girls are trying to end their periods early by sucking the blood out with a vacuum. This is what she put on her Twitter that's what she put, man. We've heard some silly shit like the vampire facial girls getting HIV from that, man. So, I don't know, but that's what she put. I mean, I appreciate the intent to be clean. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about uh, one of our favorite topics of the last couple of years, Impact Wrestling. So, yeah. okay. We know that they're on a shoestring budget. We know this. We know that DeMore and Callis, I think, have done their best, uh, given that they're pretty handcuffed, to try to get the most out of this company. We know that they have not been able to get a good television deal pretty much since they left Spike Television. We know that they weren't able to get any kind of a television deal after the last contract ended, which is why they moved to Pursuit, because it's owned by Anthem, so they got the same yeah. parent company. So we know all of that. We know that Pursuit is run by a bunch of monkeys on typewriters, basically. Idiots. Uh, so two weeks ago, they didn't air the last 24 minutes of the show because instead they aired 24 minutes of commercials. That was two weeks ago. Last week, they actually aired the show from the week before. So last week, they somehow lost the new tape, and they aired it from the week before. And so uh, we know that these guys are... It's just a really... Anthem, what can you say, man? Anthem is a poorly run outfit. Uh, uh, they're... I, I don't know what else to say about it. I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, so all of that stuff is not Impact Wrestling's fault. It's not their fault that they're run by monkeys. It's not their fault that the TV channel sure. is just it, it's a bunch of plugs. None of that is their fault. No, no budget. Not their fault. However, I do have to ask you, man, in 2019, why, oh, why is your programming featuring Tommy Dreamer, Rob Van Dam, and Sabu in 2019? Why? Is it because that is the most cost-effective name talent that you can get? Is that the reason? Is it because Scott DeMore, and I know this from his Border City days, is buddy with those guys, he used to bring them in for ECW, you know, type matches. 
20 years ago, Sean. 20 years ago, he brought these guys in for, for stuff. So is that the reason? Like, why is it in 2019? Is there an audience for that, Sean? I don't think so. So why are they doing that in 2019? It doesn't make any sense to me, and I can't no. make sense of it. I can't. I've No. And every week, this is what they're promoting. So I, either they're doing six-man tags with those three guys. Now they're promoting Rob Van Dam against Moose. I, I will say, Sandman, his backstage segments are fucking hilarious. They're so Sure. Good. But do you want that guy in a feature matchup on no, your show in 2019? No, no, no. So I don't get that part, and that part to me creatively is inexcusable, and that falls on Demore and Callis. Yes. That part. All this business shit is out of their hands. That falls on them. I don't understand it. If you're trying to hook up a buddy, fine, hook up a buddy, but you're doing it at the expense of your show, especially when you're trying to get a better television deal for your show. So uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. I heard Congo Khan. Kong is done. Did you hear about that? Yeah, it kind of has been on the outs for a while. Nobody expected that to last much longer than it did. I mean, it seems like he's been gone longer than what he really has because he's been off TV for quite some time. But it, it just wasn't good. And he had a couple of explosion <laughs> matches earlier this year. But other than a couple of explosion matches earlier this year, gosh, I don't think he had been around for... Uh, seven, eight months, may- or gosh, no. Outside of a couple of explosion matches here and there, I don't think he's wrestled for them in a year since Brian Cage beat him. So, yeah, I uh, I'm familiar with him from from this area uh, yeah. because he's from Michigan. So he used to do stuff for Border City because they're just across the border in Windsor. He's okay. done stuff, and he's stu- he's done stuff with Destiny Wrestling uh, for Santino. Probably what got him the gig was his yeah. connection to Santino and Scott Demore. Probably, yeah. And so I know of him. I had no idea that he was 39. I had no idea that he started in 98. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, I knew of him because of that. Let me ask you this question. I put this on Twitter the other day. How many wrestlers do you think would be screwed if the super kick ceased to exist? I think they'd find something else. It is the most overutilized, saturated move maybe in the history of wrestling, at the very least since the DDT. It's the most overused, saturated move. I am so freaking sick and tired of the super kick. I'm sick of the Usos and the Young Bucks and Dolph Ziggler and every fucking human being using the goddamn super kick. I wish they would come up with something else. I know that Shawn Michaels was an influence on these guys. I know he was, and Dolph Ziggler especially. I am so goddamn sick of the super kick, Shawn, and I really wish they would come up with something more creative. You know, uh, you know the bright side of this? What's that? The DDT isn't overused anymore. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So maybe they'll go over to... I was joking on social media about, what's the next one that's going to be? And there were guys responding like, what about the back body drop? Not seeing enough of the back body drop. Uh, so the funny thing is, like, even in wrestling training, you know, I learned how to take them. I don't like to take them. The risk is not worth the reward. The reaction right. that you get out of a back body drop is not worth me flying nine feet in the air landing on my back if i'm lucky if the right. person that does it to me does it right right because usually it's on at the level that i work on my lower back and my right. ass and right tailbone yep tailbone stuff like that so I, I don't blame a lot of people for not wanting to take those these days especially when you can't get a good reaction out of it i know that the uh youtube clips for the 24 7 title are doing well uh, for, for wwe well uh, and that's fine and good, but I have to ask you as a wrestling fan, is it starting to wear off on you, the 24-7 title stuff? No, I like it. Plus, you still I like know, it? Plus, I know that 
that was the original idea for the Fightful Championship. And yes. I know that we can and will do it better. Yes. So I'm very excited. Oh, we absolutely will. Yes. But uh, I, as a fan, is starting to lose its shine with me. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they keep focusing on the same kind of poorly booked, inept guys every single week running around in their ring gear, like backstage and stuff like that, and it's losing its luster. When they did the original 24-7 title you know, back in the Attitude Era, it would be different talent. Yeah. So you would have a segment and then somebody different. Maybe it's Molly Holly. Maybe it's Terry Runnels. Maybe it's whoever. You'd have different people. Now it's mostly Jinder Mahal, which is fine. But then it's that group, that cluster of inept guys that are booked like shit, you know, chasing our truth around like a bunch of lemmings backstage. That, for me, is making me lose interest in it. Yes. Uh, they they got to switch it up a little bit. Yes. They, yep. they did to a degree on Tuesday and Super Showdown where it was just Jinder... Well, I don't know. They all did chase R-Truth into the bathroom, but At last night it was just gender. And I think, I said it last night, gender plays a great Yosemite Sam. Like, he does that very well. Um, but yeah, I'll see how it goes. I think they really benefited by finding that title's Crash Holly early on, because yeah. R-Truth was perfect for that. R-Truth is great for it. I just need him to explain why he wants it. I know he says something about... Uh... What do you say? Something about, uh, you know, it's killing me, but I love it or something. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I wish they would just explain what the incentive is, because otherwise, why would you want to watch your back 24-7? Yeah. Uh, did you hear about Batista's interview with Pro Wrestling Sheet? I covered his interview with Pro Wrestling Sheet, so yes. As a wrestling fan, this is very discouraging. Uh, so well, especially not- considering the points that you brought up about WrestleMania 30's press conference, and he said yes. it's gotten worse ever since then. Yes. So he basically said, he said that he thought things were bad in 2014 with respect to heavy scripting. He said when he came back for this run in 2019, it was even worse than the last time. He said that he had a conversation with Chris Jericho, and Jericho told him that John Cena will be the last guy to ever get over in WWE to that level because now everybody is too limited, too handcuffed, and will not be given the opportunity to get over to the level of a John Cena. And when you got Shane McMahon pinning Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia, that kind of is indicative of what Jericho said. And as a fan, that's very discouraging. Uh, This week's SmackDown was back under 2 million viewers, which you know Fox cannot be thrilled about when they're about to spend $200 million plus a year on a Friday night, which is a bad night for, for, for pro wrestling. So uh, all of this is really bad for, for WWE. Triple H has got to be having anxiety attacks quietly in closets and stuff, Sean, at this yeah. point. But that's what's going on, man. That's the state of things. That is the state of things. And uh, fortunately for everybody else, things are a lot better at Fightful. We have a big Bellator show coming up Friday. If you guys haven't, go to youtube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. Subscribe to that channel. Share our videos. NXT tapings tonight. We have an interview with Nick Gage. That That's a wild one to get. By the we way, have- Melissa's still the champion. I'm just kind of holding this on her behalf right now. You know, it's funny. She is the Brock Lesnar of this show. She's never here. And I told you that. Remember when, when, I, when I said this? I said she was going to be on the Brock Lesnar schedule. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Guys, leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.